listening to the Fitness Essentials Podcast powered by Essential of Athletics, the podcast for people just like you looking for the best fitness, sports performance, strength, and conditioning information possible. From strength gain to fat loss, rehab to prehab, sports to lifestyle, the Fitness Essentials Podcast has everything. Remember, not only to subscribe to this podcast, but also check out our Essential of Athletics YouTube channel for more exciting information-packed videos and working advice, training tips, exercise techniques, and so much more. Welcome to the Fitness Essentials Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fitness Essentials Podcast. I am your host, Roar Alexander, and I'm here with... Coach Adam Colorado. Coach Adam Colorado. And I'm so excited, Adam, because just what happened this week, we got sent in all of our continuing education courses to CanFit Pro for approval. Now we're just playing the waiting game. Yes. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, basically at our gym, Essentials of Athletics here in Vancouver, Canada, we are also becoming the EOA School of Fitness, where we're going to be running personal training and continuing education fitness seminars. So this is something that I've done for years over in Asia and in Canada. Um, but we're going to be kind of be moving it into full drive. Like we're putting this thing into full throttle here. We're going to rock it. So Adam's got a course called Strong AF, which is basically a course you take if you want to come in and you want to just get you know, strong AF. I think it's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. I have the uh, performance conditioning and strength specialist PCSS. It's more for the athletics course. Um, and actually one of the topics we'll be talking about today is programming. So I'll talk about kind of how I go about discussing programming in that course. Cause I think that probably makes the most sense. How I explain it to students is probably how we can explain it here. Mm. Uh, and if you're more interested, of course, you can always come because of course, Adam's course is going to talk about programming for strength. Mine's going to be talking about programming in general for athletics and even just for it, just teaching classes and stuff like that. Because one of the things that I don't like, and one of the reasons that I created the school in the first place is. A lot of a lot of uh, you know organizations will teach you skills. Well, they'll teach you how to use a tool, right? For instance, TRX. They come in and they'll tell you, "This is how you use a TRX, and here's a ton of TRX exercises." Now go. Or same thing with Bosu. Here's a bunch of Bosu exercises. Now go. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe we should spend some time discussing how where, when, which TRX exercises we use, which BOSU exercises we use, when should we use a BOSU, when should we not, which is programming, right? So not just giving you, like I could give you a piece of paper right now with 100 exercises on it, Mm -hmm. but it's not really going to be very helpful to you because I'm not giving you any context on how to use them. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later, but that's going to be exciting. And then, of course, is the kickboxing one. Um, And even then, there's not so much programming in kickboxing, but I do, again, most, most what they'll do, and I've been to kickboxing courses before, yeah, they teach you how to punch, they teach you how to kick, and they show you a bunch of fun drills, but then that's it, and then you're off to design your own kickboxing class and kind of screwing it up for a long time. However, my course actually teaches you four distinct kinds of classes, so at the end, you can actually leave and you'll have a program how to run a class, and I break it right down into the minutes. So, you know, you'll be warming up for 10 minutes, you'll be doing this for 20 minutes, you'll be doing that. So I give you, again, a nice template to use. So what we're talking about today is just an overall, um, when we get into the topics, because one of the topics is programming, we'll talk about a template for programming that works for majority of people, particularly beginners, and I would say even intermediate people. Getting into advanced, getting into, you know, maybe really advanced client. Like if you, let's say you had, you know, six weeks to work with a fighter, you probably wouldn't do this or six weeks to work with an athlete because really a block is going to take about six weeks, right? So Mm -hmm. that's when you have to get more into like, you know, sort of like a conjugate method or more an undulated, you know, whatever the hell that's called, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, programming uh, where it's, you know, you have to put a whole lot together in a short time, but that can get a little bit confusing for most people. So again, I think if... You know, 90% of the people listening to the advice that we're going to give today, like I explained to my class and my students have had very good results with their classes and their clients by doing what we're going to talk about today. But long story short, we're excited to get that courses going. Have you ever taught a course? Well, you've taught workshops, correct? Workshops, yeah, lots of them. This is the first course, though. So, yeah, I've done plenty of seminars, workshops, and, uh, yeah, excited to get this uh, journey going as well. What's the longest course or workshop you've ever taught? 
Uh, just the day course. Yeah. Okay, so now you're going yeah. to a, a two, workshop. Sorry. Yeah, so now you're going to a full, full two, two days, days yeah. twelve hours, like you name it. And then, of course, you'll be taking it overseas with you. We'll be taking it down to Central and South America. That's the plan. Even potentially to the U.S. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. We'll probably definitely take it to Ontario. I can see us going mm-hmm. there too for sure. Go back to your home, but both of our home home stomping grounds. <laughs> Don't really want to go back there, but <laughs> that'll be. Last on the the list. If they're paying us, we will go. (laughs) Anyway, so what we want to talk about today is a thing we get, we talk about a lot and it's, it's something that, you know, I see a lot. We've talked about it before on other episodes, but we want to get into a little deeper today Um, because I'm like Rick now in this room uh, that I'm looking, I see it written twice. I see over there in chalk, it says train, do not exercise. And over there, it says exercising and training are not the same thing. Let me ask you a question. When you read those, um, Adam, what what does that, what do you think that means? Like, what does that mean to you? I mean, not training for a specific goal. So if I, you know, look back to when I first started lifting, I, you know, I thought the five-day bodybuilding split was the plan, but I was playing basketball and I was trying to play uh, college basketball at that time. So that made zero sense. So what happened was I got slower <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I had the nice uh, beach body going on there, but it did nothing for me on the basketball court. I was just getting slower by the minute there. So I was putting in all this effort, other uh, teams teammates weren't even working out and I wasn't reaping the rewards because I didn't dial it into what I actually needed. Yeah. And we talked about this, um, on the last episode where we talked about the mistakes we could have, you know, that Mm -hmm. we could have fixed. And I said, I wasted 15 years exercising and not training. I mean, I went through the kind of like we, the bro splits kind of screwing around in the gym. Uh, then, you know, jumping into, uh, CrossFit, which was probably one of the bigger just exercises (laughs) literally no thought and it took me a while um and i was learning back this is my mid-30s i was probably and i've been doing this for a long time so this is why this is why i'm so passionate about this topic because i'm like i've been fucking training for since i was like 21 or something like that i got my camphor and all that whatever and I'm right up to my mid thirties. I was still kind of exercising and not training. I mean, and I thought I was training, you know, because when you're doing crossing, you're doing the deadlift, you're doing all this, you know. But I then started to really sit down and say, okay, how come I'm not getting the goals? Why am I not getting as much out of this as I'm putting in? Because I put in, like we talked about, five days a week for 15 years. I should have got a shitload out of it. Mm. <laughs> and again exercising not training and what that comes down to is like you said now there's different ways to look at it right we could look at it from a very scientific point of view for instance if you read say like joel jameson's book on mma conditioning he talks about training by talking about and it it is true at the end of the day all you're doing is you're conditioning one of the three energy systems you're conditioning your aerobic system you're conditioning your anaerobic a lactic system you're conditioning your lactic system you know like getting a burn in your muscles, right? Lactic system. Again, so when do you do that? Well, if you're trying to build muscle, get sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, you know, build muscle, then yeah, you, you're going to be doing it. You are, technically, that's the energy system you're burning. If you're doing Olympic lifting, you are training, you're conditioning your alactic system. And if you're doing any kind of running or long distance stuff, you're talking about conditioning your aerobic system. Now, that gets... Very confused. Like we're not going to sit down and talk to mm-hmm. talking about that. But I mean, that's how you know. That's what you, one way to look at it. We're going to look at it a little more from common folk uh, goal s- positioning using regular words. So we're going to talk today what's called block programming. All right, and because this is one that works very well. Now there's linear programming, and then there is block programming, and then you can start going down into like we talked about undulated um, conjugate method. Uh, there's like, for instance, like Joe DeFranco and some of the other guys. I know they do a uh, kind of a modified conjugate method. They call mm-hmm. it, and again, that comes down to though the people you're working with. If you have athletes only for short terms, then you can't really do a block and you definitely can't do linear. Linear is a very good system 
for beginners. Be- linear, just so you know, just what it means. It means you're just continually kind of going a little bit heavier or adding reps or whatever just over a very long time. Like a linear program might be a year, very consistent. Mm-hmm. Block programming, however, tends to, what it does is it focuses, and this is again where I said most people would just benefit from this alone. Most people are doing linear. That's really what they're doing. A lot of people just come in, do the same thing, do the same thing, months, years, and just very linear. And then they wonder why the results really are coming. That's because I was kind of, I was in that middle. I was exercising, not training. And the, if I was to write it down, it was probably just a very linear program, right? So the, what we do is we do what it's called. And what I talk about in my PCSS course is called block programming and in block programming you are designing a program that is going to emphasize a certain result in a certain amount of time so if if it in what you want to break it down into kind of what the general blocks tend to be well i can go for personal experience what i like to do with my clients is look at the foundation phase so with foundation i'll be looking at like things like their imbalances in their body um see where their posture's at uh we see a lot of common things like uh shoulders rolled forward or sway back things like that um so that all has to be uh taken into account to what exercises uh, would be appropriate for that person um, and then from there, just fixing those imbalances, um, you'll see some people may not be appropriate for them to use a barbell at the start, especially if they got one jacked up shoulder. Um, all you're going to do is just more uh, prone for injury for that. So just looking at that, looking at any medical concerns, looking at their blood pressure, heart rate. Uh, these are all things before you can even start. So um, to get them on the right path, you just got to make sure that all these things are lined up before you can even talk about anything else. So that's the foundational mm. phase. And so that's basically the realignment phase, we'll call it. Yeah. Now, what then? Would, so let's say you do that. So let's say there's one of two things. You either do that and you, you get them kind of caught up or it's somebody who walks in and they're pretty decent. They're ready to rock. Yeah. What's the next phase? Well, we got to find out exactly what they're looking for, but you could definitely get like more of a uh, build phase. So uh, hyper muscle gain. phase. Yeah. Muscle gaining. So um, what you'd be looking at is typically between that eight to 12 reps. I like the time under tension as well. Um, Just uh, keeping as much uh, time under tension with that muscle. I find gives a lot of results for the clients there. And then finding out uh, what kind of lagging body parts they have or what's, what, do they want to get out of this? What's the goal? If they want to, you know, do sports specific, then make sure we're doing things like plyometrics. That's going to help them out there. And uh, or if they're just looking to look great for the beach, then obviously we'll be focusing on what guys are looking for there: chest, arms, and, uh, and go from there. Yeah. So we'll keep this to again. We don't want to get too much like like. You know, it depends, it depends, it depends, it depends. Yeah, we could go all over the place yeah, with this. Like, I'm it, it depends general. if I'm training a <laughs> basketball play versus a fighter, and it depends. But let's just talk about it from a general public. 90% of people working at the gym just want to look good, feel good, get stronger. So after the foundational block would be where you're just checking to make sure that you're really good to train is really what mm-hmm. it is. You would go into, a, uh, like we said, a muscle train block, which, again, he said was about 8 to 12 reps. The overall message behind this block and this blocks but anywhere between four weeks might be a little short but six weeks eight weeks maybe depending on where you are it probably won't be longer than about eight weeks for the most part because again you're getting into that linear land if you go beyond that but that would be going for the pump this is breaking mm-hmm. down. It'd be going for the pump a lot. So that's a lot of supersets in there. Uh, maybe some straight sets, but going for real pump or like going to almost failure for the most part in exercises where it's safer. But a lot of that, you know, again, going into that uh, anaerobic lactic acid sort of, you know, training, right? A lot of going for the pump. So that, again, that's going to last you four to eight weeks, give or take. And then the next phase, what would the next phase after that be? Typically, you go into a strength phase mm. from there. So, Which makes sense because um, you've gone from like 12 reps to 10 reps to 
eight reps, maybe mess around with some supersets. Yeah. It's not a lot more you can do in that phase, right? You I mean, gotta... you could play with the rest time, shorten that up a little bit uh, as well. Um, but yeah, the way I looked at it, especially through my, my career, was uh, basically it would be my insurance policy for the strength phase. So I'd build up for that, right? That's my body armor that's going to keep me healthy. Um, so when I go into the next phase, which would be strength training, um, in that strength phase, I would be ready for it. My body would be ready for it. And then I could get my CNS working as well. So let's explain to people, because a lot of people are, they're like, well, I thought building muscle is building strength. Uh, and it's, it is, and it isn't. Um, I'm, I'm almost more air on the side of it isn't. I've seen some guys that are very strong that actually are very lean. I mean, you look at a lot of the bodybuilders right um obviously there are some really really strong bodybuilders but uh there's some ones that don't care about moving anything heavy and they still look incredible um that's because they they are always just doing mind muscle connection is what they're thinking about um they're just working on technique and they've got they never leave that phase because they, their goal is just have that you know that show muscle. It's not to be strong. It's uh, I think Jay Cutler said it best back in the day on stage. Nobody sees if you bench five hundred pounds or a hundred pounds. They just see big chest or small chest. Yeah. So, the, so like we said, that hypertrophy, that muscle gain phase is going for the puffy muscles. Exactly. It's going for the puffy muscles, or what we call in scientific terms and fancy pants terms, mm. sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Ooh. So now you get to the strength phase, and what's going to happen in the strength phase is, again, it's going to be four weeks to six weeks long, but it's going to be focusing on significantly heavier weights, right? You're talking, what, the threes, the fives, the six, sixes would be in yeah, there. Yeah, so would six assume. would be typically the max with that. So, yeah, between the three to six range, and then your rest time, uh, you take a lot more rest in between because you would need it because you're going at a lot heavier weights. Yeah, you're working at what they call max effort now, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're really moving on moving weight. The speed doesn't really matter as much, uh, but it's about just putting maximal effort into pushing that weight with, of course, obviously with good technique. Now, if we want to get fancy pants terms, that is called my fibrial hypertrophy, right? Which is the differences in the muscle cell. So I'll explain the muscle cell physiology really quickly to people. So let's say you have a, a muscle cell. So we'll just pretend it's a circle. Within that circle, there are really two things. There are these strands of myofibrils, kind of like little straws that are running through it. Think of them like wires. And then there is a bunch of fluid just floating around these wires. When you're doing the pump, what you're doing is you're increasing the amount of fluid in that in that that cell. Think of it like filling a balloon up with water. So you're just making that balloon bigger with soft, squishy water. On the other hand, when you're doing my fibrial hypertrophy, what's happening is you're increasing the amount of those kind of those cables or those straws that are running through the muscle. So in essence, it's not really necessarily getting bigger because the volume will get bigger with the, the sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. The other way, however, creates a much more dense, solid muscle cell, right? So you're basically filling that muscle cell with these little tiny steel cables, if you want to think of it like that. Yeah, look so, at the uh, power lifters who stay in the same weight class and they keep getting stronger and stronger every year, but they never get any bigger, right? So Exactly. Like one, A great example of my, uh, my fibrial hypertrophy is like a guy like Bruce Lee. Right, oh, yeah. super jacked, <laughs> very strong. Um, but you know, you want to look at Bruce Lee. He was not a big dude, right? No. He was a small shredded dude that looked like he was made out of marble, right? So he's a great example. So the one finger push up, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what you want to focus on, right? So he had a lot of myofibrial hypertrophy. Is what he focused on, as opposed to sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. So that's the strength phase, and we get it, like you said, lower reps, high weight, lots of break time. Your volume is not going to be super high either for the most part. Mm -hmm. Then, now what happens, what's happened now at this point, right? At this point, we've been spending a lot of time, we spent four to eight weeks working on a lot of time under tension. So that means moving weights kind of slowly, um, you know, holding weights in space really to get the blood going. And then we spent a lot of time moving heavy weights pretty slowly. Let's be honest. They're, they're not moving quickly. Like you watch you on a max deadlift. I mean, that bar yeah. is taking a while <laughs> to get up there. So you don't now at this point, you know, you kind of you kind of get a little bit slow if you're just stuck in these two phases. Right. You're going to mm. kind of be slow. So now what you want to do is you want to move into... 
I'd go into the power phase. Power phase, which is a fun phase as long as you do it right. <laughs> yeah, it's again, it's 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 a tricky one because people like even yesterday with one of the clients I had here, he kept wanting to rush through it, right? Um, and he just and I said, dude, just stop. He's like, I know, I know, I like to rush, I like to rush. I'm like, I know. I go, but if I was to put a timer on you, because like, I've seen Matt here like these laser things. So if I was to somehow put a laser on you or a push unit, you would see that your every set you're doing, you're going to be going slower and slower. Now, we might not be able to look at it and really notice it with the naked eye as much. But guaranteed, if you don't have enough break time, you are going to be moving slower because that explosive phase, that power phase is all about moving at 100% speed. So similar to the strength phase, it's going to be long breaks, even longer, really. Um, however, the weights are going to be, for the most part, significantly lighter. And then it depends. Are you working on like kind of like that starting strength, which might be a little bit heavier? Or are you working on real ballistic strength? But you're probably going to hold off to that for the next phase. But that's going to be explosive movements, low reps, three reps, five reps max, done as fast and as hard as possible with a moderate weight. So I'll give you an example that's really easy. Holding some dumbbells at your sides and just going down into a squat and exploding and jumping as hard as you can right mm -hmm. so this is going to start working on the speed kind of work on those fast twitch muscle fibers which you're also hitting in the max strength but it's going to hit on them differently and it's going to just make you help you become faster because you don't want to you don't want to just because the power at the end of the day actually as you get older power is the first physical attribute that actually leaves you right so that's why you'll see a lot of people in their 40s 50s even people in their 30s they're just not that powerful because again this is the thing that is rarely trained in the gym you walk into any globo gym like any regular corporate style gym like an elephant good life there is no power being shown there it is machines yeah. and bodybuilding There's yeah no i power. think of the uh the ufc countdowns i like to watch uh you see those guys are going a million miles an hour uh those guys are working for power obviously for those takedowns and everything else associated with the takedowns and knockout punch yeah. so that's the way <laughs> i explained it to this client yesterday i said right now we are training for the knockdown punch Okay, now next week, and well, not next week, but the week after, two weeks from now, when we're in our next phase, which we're going to talk about in a second, that is when we're into boom, cover, 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 boom, 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 cover, cover, cover. That's like you see in a fight, really a, a fight. And if you watch a fight, a lot of people think height fights like an anaerobic lactic system. It's not. By now, you must have heard of all the amazing benefits of hitting the sauna at least a couple times a week. From decreasing chronic stress, boosting muscle, increasing deep tissue and brain detoxification, improving sleep, relieving pain, and even helping you live longer. That is quite the list, and that is not even close to all the benefits. But there are huge differences in the quality of infrared saunas. Differences that can literally be the difference between getting healthier or getting sicker. I mean, do you really think you can hop onto Alibaba and order some cheap sauna from some untraceable factory in China and expect it to be solid quality? I think you know that answer. And this is why you need to invest in only the best infrared sauna money can buy. And those are Radiant Health Saunas, a trusted Western Canadian home sauna brand. Founder Randy Gom has completed third-party comprehensive 100-point health testing on his saunas, covering everything from toxic chemicals and fumes to electronic radiations. He has made sure there is zero off-gassing, zero toxins, equal heat distribution, and only uses pure Canadian hemlock wood with the absolute lowest near-zero EMFs possible. Ridiculously clean even heat distribution, no toxins, nearly zero EMFs with one and two person models that can be plugged directly into your existing home wall outlets, cost about only 40 cents to run for an entire hour, and there's a model to fit any space you have. We want to make sure you get only the best infrared sauna and Radiant Health Saunas is the clear winner bar none and are one of the best investments you can make to your long-term health. Check them out at www.radianthealthsaunas.com. Then once you know which model you want, tell them that the Fitness Essentials podcast sent you and you will save $500 off any wooden model. Yes, you heard that right. $500 off any wooden model of their top quality infrared saunas. And now with that said, let's get back to Fitness Essentials. Fighting is aerobic and alactic. It's lots of strikes, fast fury, and then a lot of pacing around in a circle. 
<laughs> it really is what it is. It's an explosion hard, and then it's a calm. Explosive hard, and then it's a calm, okay? So that's one thing. So after the power phase, which again, is probably going to be a shorter phase, maybe. Two, three weeks, yeah, maybe. Two, yeah. three weeks, maybe. Then you move into the power endurance phase, right? Now, this is a sucky phase because this phase hurts. This is when we're really getting into that anaerobic lactic system. Muscles are going to be burning because, again, you could focus on, you know, the endurance of uh, what they call localized endurance, which is, say, like doing a ton of squats as fast as you can go to your quads. They're just burning, and they seize up on you, and you got to do it again. Mm -hmm. Or you can go into what's called just a global endurance, which is just where you just literally feel beat. Think more like on an, an assault bike, right? Yeah. Going on the airdyne and just pushing it hard. Yeah, your quads will burn, but you're just going to be burnt out all over. And that is, again, that's fast burst, similar to power, but it's more reps. It might be 10, 15 reps. Go, 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 go. And it's a little more time-based than rep-based. So it might be 20 seconds on, 30 seconds off. Then you're, And you got to increase it. So what happens by the end is you're like 40 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Like this is the phase where you want to fucking puke. Like this is not a fun phase. And that's what I was telling him last night. I said, dude. Just take your break time because in three weeks, we're going to be doing the opposite. I'm going to be yelling at you that you're not to take breaks. I'm going to be like, what the fuck are you standing around for? Get to work. It's going to happen. It's literally in three weeks. So I'm like, enjoy it right now while you have it because it ain't going to last. <laughs> so did you is, have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, that's what you typically see in most gyms uh, is that style of training, and I think that's promoted quite uh, frequently th throughout the media as well, thinking you just got to sweat buckets and you know feel like you're going to puke, and you see you know, TV shows taking you past those limits so that it almost like, becomes what people think the gym's all about. Right? I, would ag I would agree and disagree with that. Um, you are 100% correct. I think uh, if you were to walk into any group fitness gym, that is what you see. Yes. If you walk into any Globo gym, regular gym, you're only going to see the hypertrophy phase. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I so, was talking more of the group fitness. Yeah, 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 more group fitness. So usually, like, what happens, if I was to walk into a fitness world, an LA Fitness, a Good Life, any of those sort of things, you know, and it, what I'm going to see is a lot of bodybuilding sort of just oh, slower yeah, moving sure. stuff. Um, then I'm going to see... in. Like I said, if you go to a CrossFit at 45 North or anything like that, it's the complete opposite, right? Again, very much zero programming. The one side, they're just doing linear hypertrophy done poorly. Uh, the other guys are just doing nonstop anaerobic lactic conditioning done poorly. Because, <laughs> again, I've, I talk CrossFit around the world. I'm telling you guys, like I never, the time when I was teaching it, we never said, okay, this week is going to be a two-to-one ratio. Next week's going to be a one-to-one. -one. The week after that's going to be a one-to-two. We never did that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. However, here at this gym, uh, we are. Uh, and that's why sometimes people aren't quite prepared <laughs> for the next coming phases. So, yeah, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? But, yeah, so, you know, max strength is definitely a phase, and power is a phase that uh, nobody does. It's very um, rare. I think I would like to add, I think people would get a lot. Well, deload or reload, whatever you'd like to call it. But Recovery. before we get to that, okay. I think people need to buy into every phase because there's – gonna benefit you in the end doing all of them i think a lot of people neglect phases or don't even do any uh especially power um that phase is non-existent in most gyms unless they're training for sports i find but the most you gyms some, aren't even prepared for that though like i can't true. go to fitness world and do power i mean yeah you can't i mean you can do a little bit you can fuck around but i mean like maybe some dumbbell shrugs or like some dumbbell cleans but i mean that, that's it but I think if everybody would just buy into every phase, uh, they would be a lot further than they are right now. Hundred percent, and that's actually, and then that's why, like throughout time, I've always kind of had two gym memberships, mm -hmm. right? Because when I used to go to CrossFit, I would still went to Fitness World because you know I would like to go and do my curls and some of my bodybuilding ish stuff. And then uh, because when you were at CrossFit, I mean, if you did a if you did a curl, I mean, they made fun of you. You were not allowed <laughs> to do those. And then at the same time, we'd walk by the Good Life's and we'd laugh at all the people that look at those idiots doing curls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if I could go back in time, I'd say, hey, you know what? You should do them both. You 
fucked up. <laughs> and then the phase that nobody likes and nobody talks about is the deload or reload, whatever you'd like to call it. Recovery. Um, I got uh, training from Josh Bryant, and that was actually the game changer for me. Um, I was always somebody who would just go, 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 heavier, heavier every single week. And finally, when I paid him to uh, do my programming, he kill me for three weeks and then for that fourth week it felt like i wasn't even working out like it was the weirdest feeling ever all the sets went down volume went down it was such an active recovery i'd be done my workouts in like i'd say 35 40 minutes which mm. is crazy uh, because the other workouts the one workout i remember was like two hours the typical one was about an hour and a half with the amount of volume he was uh putting me through um but yeah that fourth week was just it literally it was amazing because I'd come back and I'd come back so much stronger and hungry to uh, keep getting stronger. So it worked out really, really well. Yeah. So let's talk about a deload week for because a lot of people, they, a lot of people, they get the idea that oh, okay, it's just I don't want to do that because it's just a week I do nothing. Yeah. And no, no, it's not a week you don't do nothing. It's a week where you're doing active recovery. So, like you said, so what he had you do is he really lowered the weights and the reps. You said and it was just kind of like a maintenance yeah. sort of workout. Yeah. So he would lower the volume a lot the reps and sets would go down um i would in terms of like percentages um they wouldn't go down like to like 40 or 50 percent i'd still be doing 60 70 uh percent around there but it would just be less reps i'd get more rest in between and uh it wouldn't beat me up at all and uh, it would just be to like dial in that technique he would always be preaching it's like this is not to be sloppy or just like you know pretending you're not doing anything like no this is for you to think about what you need to do for your technique make sure it's on point and then get ready for the next phase exactly and that's what i wanted to get to so a deload week is a really great time to do a number of things number one it's a great time to work on additional mobility right mm -hmm. additional mobility really working on your flexibility mobility um that's a great time to sign up to do some yoga maybe you know or maybe go a little deeper into yoga uh it's a great time to start working on weaknesses right so it's like you said it's a great time to start really saying okay i'm not very good at this i'm not good at that or maybe it's working on a new skill like say pistol squats hey you know i'm going to spend the next few days working on some pistol squats and lots of unilateral training um like you said maybe it's a good time for really dial in your technique on those movements like get let's get that squat figured out let's figure out why that left foot keeps turning out mm -hmm. you know let's figure out get the bench going let's really work on lowering it down let's take some time to work on my breathing you know bring the nasal breathing into play here and just really making it a weak where you're not doing nothing you're actually doing a lot but it's a very i don't want to it's more of a cerebral week right you're giving mm -hmm. your body a break but you can challenge your mind in different ways and training new things might be a fun time to maybe try up pick a new sport or go hiking or you know do something like that or you know treat yourself to a sauna maybe a few days off in the sauna go up to harrison hot springs for here in bc and say you know what that's what i'm gonna do because that really that comes around every let's say let's say you're doing Five weeks of strength, five weeks of muscle, five weeks of strength, that's 10 weeks, three weeks of power, you're at 13, power endurance, 14, 15, 16, which is four, eight, 12, 16. So that's four months. So that mm -hmm. means you're going and treating yourself to like something like Harrison Hot Springs, Artisan, or, you know, that uh, Scandinavian spot in Whistler, like literally every four months, right? load week would be a great time to do that so don't do nothing go sign up for some yoga really work on your mind muscle connection and nail in that technique and try some new exercises you haven't tried before that's a great time thing to and do. your motivation Swimming, will definitely sauna. go back uh way up after your and i find um it gets you hungrier to want more and you'll see people especially even in the olympia they'll take time off some people don't even train some people just go really really light and uh just get ready for the next phase of training yeah, so when we do our deload week here, for instance, our class programs, there's probably going to be probably a lot of animal crawling, a lot of mobility drills, 
probably working on weaknesses like usually group classes are terrible at pull-ups so there may be some working on some pull-ups and you know i and actually spending time with people kind of almost in an individual manner mm-hmm. saying okay you go work on this because i've noticed this is not good for you giving them extra homework assignments to do at home uh you know if we had a yoga instructor i'd say that's the week that the yoga instructor would be taking them through workouts but we'll figure it out mm-hmm. um but yeah it's going to be definitely be uh, definitely more of a mobility and strange movement probably more focusing on some core work and some ab work there too probably a lot of lessons and education in there as well will probably be what we'll be doing so that's generally programming let's talk about then again about some maybe a little more advanced techniques that you could do and where they would fit into a program like that so let's say you're a more advanced athlete and you're like yeah i kind of do that but we're going to give you some of the insider secrets that we only kind of do with ourselves or share with kind of like longer term clients and what we'll talk about is you know maybe eccentrics isometrics the two kinds of isometrics concentrics uh, and where you would kind of fill those in or little little hacks that you can do for instance in different phases that'll just give you that little extra push Mm-hmm. Um, or that little extra bump that maybe you want to get because if you just did it kind of the way we wrote it on paper, you get good results, but doing these little things would be extra. So the first thing Adam had mentioned when we talked, let's talk about the muscle gain block for a minute. So one of the things that Adam talked about, so, so we're trying to build, mu- we're trying to get our muscles bigger, we're trying to build muscle in this phase. And Adam had mentioned about doing time under tension, mm-hmm. right? Because what does that mean? That means keeping your muscles under tension throughout the entire movement or throughout even the entire set. The last thing you really want to do for the most part is give the muscles a break for even a second. So one of the ones that I do, for instance, is when I'm doing, say, side raises with clients. A lot of clients will bring their hands right down until it touches their, you know, till it touches their legs or their thighs. I.e., for the last 10% of the movement, they are resting because the move, the muscle, once my shoulder goes way down here, really there's no activation, right? The activation comes in when I move my hand about eight to 10 inches away from my thigh. So one of the things you could do here is really focus on not letting the muscle relax for even a second, being mindful enough that you know, okay, I know when I reach this point that the muscle is relaxing for a split second or the muscle is say, um, when now happens like they say the top of a bench press is always the talk. Do you lock out at the top of a bench press? Do you not lock out at the top of a bench press? Right, the age old argument. And it comes down to it depends. It if depends. If you're a power lifter, yes, you're locking out every single. <laughs> and that gets what I'm getting to. But if you're if a bodybuilder, if it's for <laughs> strength, yes, you are locking out, and you're locking. You're still when you're locked out. You're you're still actively pushing that bar very hard, though. However, bodybuilding or you know during the muscle building phase, you probably don't want to lock out because when you're locking out, you are locking out your joints, and you are putting a little bit of that weight transferring it onto the bones and the joints versus keeping it on the muscle what you're trying to build so Mm -hmm. this is a good time where you say okay i am going to avoid lockout on a lot of exercises and i'm going to make sure that there is not even a second of break time that's something i uh, saw from uh so charles glass he trains all the ifbb um pros a lot of them there and he will make these like 300 pound mutants you know scream with 10 pound dumbbells just because he'll put them in that time under tension and in the most ridiculous like awkward um positions so they can't cheat that movement and uh yeah it's just it really changed my uh train my thinking on uh how to build muscle and i think uh another one was dorian gates he always talks about the eccentrics going as slow as possible he said the most common mistake he sees with people is they spend all this time doing you know on a bicep curl they'll go up and then they'll just slam their arm down they won't work on the eccentric portion of that lift so they're missing 50 percent of the gains they could be making yeah so again time under tension right going down slowly so we talked about taking out the cheating so taking out well, i shouldn't say the cheating so taking out the rest the rest portion also taking out gravity don't let gravity do your its job. 
right? Gravity just wants to drop that weight. So by doing an eccentric, you are then forcing the muscle to stay contracted again, putting more time under tension. Now, this the, the beautiful thing about eccentrics is they can be used really well in the muscle gain phase, and they can be used really, really well in the strength phase, and I tend to use them both. Now, another thing that you can use when you're talking about um, keeping time under tension, and one of my favorite little tricks is a yielding isometric, right? So what a yielding isometric is, is that is what's also just called a static hold. So again, let's talk about further than so side raises. So you bring, you do your sets, you know, really good under control, but that third set, that fourth set, whatever that final set is, you are going to hold those dumbbells up in that top locked out position just for as long as you can until your muscles are just screaming at you and you literally have to drop them. So like we said, so right there in that strength phase, right? And I'm not sorry, sure, I should say the muscle gain phase. We can add on making sure we're not taking any break time during our sets, uh, making sure that we are focusing on the eccentric portion, at least somewhat, and also adding in yielding isometrics as a little tip. For instance, I'm constantly yelling at my clients all the time or people in the classes when we do band pull-aparts. Because I'm like, no, a band pull-apart starts with tension and ends with a lot of tension. I go, think of it like a guitar string. So what happens is when I first give somebody a band for band pull parts, it's always the same thing. They pull it back really fast and then it just snaps back up, right? They don't even try to slow it down and it gets all loose and it just flops. I'm like, no, stick it straight out, pull on it. So give me some guitar string tension on it right now and then really pull it back, isometrically hold it there, pause, count one Mississippi, to Mississippi and then eccentric it back up, making sure there's tension on it. Like each rep should take you about five to seven seconds for each rep. So that is the how you can use kind of some of those little, you know, extra tricks. And now another one you could do, that we said was, you know, pausing in the bottom and doing an isometric yielding isometric hold at the bottom in the fully stretched position, right? That mm -hmm. brings us into a fourth kind of uh, way the muscle grows, which is in theoretical, but that is muscular hyperplasia, where there's some evidence that actually holding significant loaded stretches might actually help to increase the number of muscle cells, not just the strength of the muscle cell. Saying that, we don't know, but it's definitely an amazing way to get an isometric and time under tension in. So whatever it's working, we don't quite know, but we do know that it works. On the other hand, you could also hold the muscle out in it. You could hold the muscle in a yielded isometric in its completely contracted position too, right? Which again is a really good one. Like we said, going up to the top of the bench press and then just locking out, squeezing as hard and as long as you can. That's one that I did today. Absolutely. Both of them have the benefits. I actually listened to a podcast last week. They had two very good guys talking about, and one was like, he does a lot of loaded stretching in the fully stretched position, and he's got really good results from that, both in the lab and in person. And the other guy was saying, you know what? I've done the opposite with my clients. I have them hold a lot of positions in the fully contracted position. For instance, going up to the top of a bicep curl and just squeezing it, just holding it there for as long as you can. And he's had really good results. Both of them, what do they have in common? They are both using a yielding isometric in a very difficult position. Mm -hmm. So there we go. Now, when it comes to the strength phase, one thing that I really like to do is using what's called an overcoming isometric, right? And I know you've done these a lot as well. Yep. Overcoming. Where do you use them? We'll talk about where you use them first. And then we'll so talk I was like using them basically on the deadlift. Uh, so I'd go see what my weakness was. And that was definitely if I would miss a deadlift, it would be uh, so below the knees. So then I would set up in a rack. Uh, the barbell and I would have the two guards there and I would go up as fast as I could until I would hit the steel uh, guards and then I would just basically go for a good five to seven seconds as hard as I could trying to bend steel <laughs> and uh, it was very taxing on the body and uh, I found that gave me a lot more power and helped me out uh, breaking those sticky points. So let's talk about the difference then because they're, like, they're both using the word isometrics people mm -hmm. so but but there are two very different kinds of isometrics so yielding tends to be much lighter 
and it's basically holding an object in static space, right? So you're trying to stop something from falling down is really mm. what it is. So that's like 10-pound dumbbells out to your side, 15-pound dumbbells out to your side, things like that. Um, that is very good at kind of pooling the blood, and it's actually shown to be very similar to that blood flow restriction training. So it's a way of doing blood flow restriction without doing blood flow restriction. On the other hand, overcoming isometrics is what we're talking about now. Overcoming isometrics is literally pushing or pulling against something that no matter how hard you push it, it is not going to move. So to give you an example, there's a really stupid example, it's stupid easy. Go right up to the side of your brick wall right now of your house and try to push that brick wall over. That brick wall ain't going to fall over no matter how hard you push it. That is an overcoming isometric. And that's the beautiful thing about that is it basically sends a message to your body, the same message that it says when you're hitting a one rep max. It's sending a message to all those motor units, all those neurons of the brain saying, okay, we got to engage all these muscle fibers because we're being asked to lift this literally above maximum effort lift because it literally is above your maximum effort. That's why you can't do it. And so it's going to fire the exact same muscles and the exact same patterns as your one rep max. Saying that, it will be in a more, uh, like you said, um, generalized area, um, mm -hmm. or I should say localized area, than a generalized area. Now saying that, there's quite a bit of research that actually it's not quite as local as we thought. You hear a lot of people saying it was only really five or maybe to 15 degrees uh, above and below. There's actually, I know a guy that actually does primarily only isometric workouts and he gets very good results with his clients. If you do them a lot enough, then he does almost all isometric workouts. Oh, so wow. yeah, it's very, you'd, you'd like it actually. If we go to Toronto, let's all introduce you to him. He does, it, he killed me on an isometric workout once. He actually helped me with my isometrics and he sent us course. Um, a lot of research on it. And actually, if you go back and listen to this podcast, I believe he was our third guest. Uh, we talked for about two hours about isometrics. So but again, where do we use those? Like you said, one of the best spots to use those is a couple of spots where you can use overcoming isometrics. Number one, they're really good for helping you get a, cl a client into a, a safe position. So let's say you have a client and you're just having a hard time. You know, they're, they're getting, their back is getting wobbly at the bottom of a squat or they're at the bottom of the squat, their butt's turning out. Well, what you can do is you can load the bar up to where their bottom of the squat would be, have them go under it. It's secured on hooks, of course, and then get them into that really good position, physically move straight in their back, get their glutes, get their arms, and then just say, now that you're in the perfect, perfect position, now I want you to push and apply force significantly safer than having them do a really shitty heavy squat and tell them to apply force in a bad position. So number one is in a very helping to adjust clients to get a perfect position. Number two, as you said, was uh, improving weak points. So mm -hmm. for instance, like you said, you know exactly where the hardest part is the deadlift for you. And again, going back to that client we just talked about a minute ago, maybe he's working on getting out of the hole. Maybe when he gets in the bottom of a squat, his hardest position is just that first little inch or two up. So what you can do is you can put him into that position and then say, okay, push as hard as you can for five seconds, seven seconds, 10 seconds, and then a long break and do it again to just really get those glutes engaged. So overcoming isometrics are an excellent spot to add in um, to your strength program. And of course, eccentrics, which we talked about earlier. How, uh, what kind of eccentrics do you do tend to do in a strength phase? Do you mm. do any like uh, negatives? Yeah, I'll do negatives. Just uh, try to keep my position under uh, heavier loads there. And then mm -hmm. that's uh, typically yeah, the, the nice general direction I go with. Yeah, them. the nice thing about the eccentrics like that is they're very good at helping you with stability and learning to control the bar, particularly in a heavy weight. Now, there is some people that I've done in the past a little bit because we all know the eccentric phase is stronger than the concentric phase. So there are some people that will say, you know, you could load, let's say you, let's say your one rep max is 305 pounds on the squat. Well, you could probably load that bar to like 335, 345, and you could be able to slowly control it to the bottom, mm -hmm. providing you had the safety pins there. And then what that does, it teaches your body to just start getting stronger because you're lowering this weight and control. Saying that, 
a lot of injuries on videos when people do that. So it's not something I would suggest very often, at least particularly for bigger exercises. I believe there was a bodybuilder just a little while ago. There's a big video on him where he was doing it with his trainer. And actually, he's, you can see him literally snapping his pectoral muscle like while doing yeah, one of these. Uh, but it's called fun. an overloaded eccentric yeah. is what they call that. So I would not suggest overloading eccentrics as much as, you know, close to close to you know maximal submaximal eccentrics but under a longer time like i love to do 10 second down sets i think those are a lot of fun and of course pause squats and things like that can come mm -hmm. into here too um obviously when you're getting into three reps and stuff like that you're you won't be lowering it down that slowly <laughs> but you, people you use that with the deadlift with the band too they would hook it mm -hmm. from the top of the rack and um they would do heavier than their max and then when they stood up the bands would help them off the floor but as they would stand up it would uh, be at a new max um but like you said uh the risk and reward ratio i've i've seen a lot more people get hurt than um, and more ego with that opposed to making progress out of it, but for each their own. Yeah, and again, I mean, we could get into talking about when to use bands and strength curves and chains and stuff like that too, but I think that would just be, that's almost like another. We'll, we'll be here all day. Yeah. We'd be here all day. <laughs> and then, of course, power. I'll talk really quickly about power. There's really only one thing you're aiming for here when it comes to power, and that is a concentric-only movement. Really, all you want to focus on is that muscle contraction exploding as fast, as hard as possible, like a lightning bolt. We do not want to do the eccentric phase here at all because the eccentric phase is the one where the muscle tissue breaks down and you get the pain. That's why Olympic lifters, the proper ones, train twice a day because they don't do any eccentric portion at all. So focusing on concentric only, very little isometrics, and pretty much no eccentrics is the key when it comes to power. And again, the nice thing about power exercises is you want to focus on exercises where there really is no slowdown component. So to give you an example, right, on a bench press, you always slow down at the top because that's just the way the muscles work. That's why when it comes to power, really what you want to be doing is you want to be doing exercises where you can release the weight. That's why ball slams are very good, throwing things. That's why basically they're like sprint, throw, and jump are the, th are the three things you want to do when you're developing power. So if your power phase only consists of sprinting, throwing, and jumping, you have a pretty garden good power phase. Um, one of my favorite ones is, you know, I'm not telling you to do this, um, but I would have a Smith machine and I have the safety set up and I would literally explode as hard as I could with the bent, the bar, and literally let the bar go and the bar would fly up. And then I would keep my hands there catch the bar and then i would quickly bring the bar back down or you get up the safety setup but it makes a lot of noise but it, it is a, it is a good way out of most gyms you would be kicked out of most gyms for that but i would do it anyway i got pretty good at catching that bar uh, but yeah so that's where you can use sort of some more advanced techniques of course like we said we could get into uh, chains and, and bands or work on you know weaker areas and stronger areas you could get into where you use like a chest press boards and all that sort of stuff. But again, that's, that's all for the course. Mm -hmm. Come to the Strong AF and the PCSS courses, and we can talk more about that. So I think that's about it. I think that's all we had. That's a pretty big topic on this one, and my throat's pretty dry now. <laughs> so uh, is there anything you wanted to add, Adam, or are we good? Come to the course. You can learn as much as possible, and uh, I guarantee you'll get a lot of golden nuggets from that. Yeah, saying that, um, don't just come to the courses. So if you are listening to this Vancouver, Burnaby area, exactly what we told you today, this is how we program our group classes. Like everything we just told you is not just theory. It's not just for fun. It's not just to make us look smarter. This is how we program our group classes. This is the thought we put into our group classes, which separates us from every other gym I have ever seen on the planet Earth when it comes to this style of training. Now, I'm not saying there's not others out there. I'm sure there are some very good ones. But for the most part, it's what separates our group fitness from 99.999% of the other group fitnesses out there. And if you are interested and you don't have to be wanted to be a personal trainer, you could just be somebody who loves fitness and wants to learn more for yourself. Then of course, you can always check out the EOA School of Fitness as well. Both of those can be found at the Instagram page for Essentials of Athletics, which is just at Essentials of Athletics. You can also find me at Roar Alexander um, on uh, what is it, blah, 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 Instagram and of Roar Alexander on Facebook. And Adam, where can they find you? 
So I am now the fit body maker. The fit body maker yeah. on Instagram. So your handle body, is at yeah body transformations specialty. Yep. First thing you, he makes you do is you lose all your facial hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's the number one way to lose weight. Um, <laughs> but I miss my beard. I have to admit. Yeah, it's coming back. All right, guys. Thanks for listening in. We'll be back at you again soon. Thank all you. All right. Take care.